Welcome to Eurodollar University. My name is Emil Kalinowski. I'm joined by Jeff Snyder, the head of global research for Alhambra Investments. Jeff, we are going to do a deep dive into our most complicated topic, the Treasury International Capital Report. This report is a keyhole through which we can see global monetary creation or destruction conditions, and that it's two months behind. This is going to be for December, but it'll be useful and instructive, and we're going to try to skip through it to keep everyone's attention. The article, if anyone wants to get into detailed, detailed analysis and see each of the graphs, which we won't be showing all of them in this episode, they can go to Alhambra Investments website, go to the February 15th, 2022 posting, the global money spectacle in December. (laughs) Always very funny. Always very funny. Okay. The key issue is going to be Belgium. The balance of U.S. treasuries held within the country of Belgium is what we're going to be talking about. We've pulled up the graph. Looks normal, but there's a little, there's like a sliver, a splinter, an icicle, a stalagmite, a sharp increase. What's going on? Well, I don't know. (laughs) That's That's funny. It's true. (laughs) I honestly don't know. And it's, you know, the fact that I don't know is, is very bothersome. Because we should know these things. But all right, let's stick with the facts that we do know. Mm. The data tells us that in the month of December, somehow, some way, somewhere, from somewhere, about 46.7, 46.6, whatever, about you know, $47 billion in U.S. Treasuries showed up in Belgium. At least the Belgians reported an increase in their holdings of $47 billion in Treasuries, which that's a lot. That's a huge 20% number. 20% spike one month. That's big. Yeah. Well, even if it wasn't, I mean, 47, 50, half a hundred billion dollars worth of treasuries in a single month. Normally, when you see something that size, you think, okay, this is a data problem. This is a discontinuity. There was a, you know, they, they changed their data sources and they didn't, you know, revise the previous numbers. But I didn't see that anywhere in the notes. I didn't see any special bulletins. I didn't see anything. So the tick data is saying is that. Yeah, 46 some odd billion in treasuries showed up in Belgium, as you just said, Emil, an increase of 20% in one month. And I think most people are thinking, Belgium, why Belgium? Exactly. And there's a graph in here, Jeff, that you show how U.S. banks are loaning money to Belgium as perhaps you're trying to look at it from another angle. Are they actually loaning money to Belgium? And the conclusion was no. So it's not that Belgium received this half a billion dollars of U.S. treasuries. It's a financial right. clearinghouse. Tell us what they are and that they're located in Belgium. Yeah, U.S. bank activity, cross-border dollar flow with Belgium. As Belgium is a very small country, a small population, you wouldn't expect there to be a lot of dollars going in and out. Therefore, there's not a lot of dollars going in and out, and there isn't. There's very few. Then... Why so many treasuries? Why does Belgium as a country hold almost 300 billion in treasuries total? And why did it go up by almost 50 billion in a single month? It can't be because of economic flows or even financial flows about Belgium itself. And as you just alluded to, Emil, there is a very important financial clearinghouse headquartered in Brussels by the name of Euroclear. Now, Euroclear has a pretty long and extensive track record in history where you would expect this kind of activity to take place. Maybe not all this once in such a lumpy fashion in a single month, but you know, as a derivatives exchange, for example, you would expect, among other things, a lot of collateral to be changing hands back and forth through Euroclear. So maybe 
intuiting a couple steps in between, we're starting to wonder Euroclear, Belgium, treasuries, collateral, those kinds of things. A collateral call. Somebody told the Belgians, hey, I need this money. I want you to call it in from someone. And that deposit took place. There was a collateral call, we're guessing. Yeah, that's, and it wasn't just a tap on the shoulder. Hey, I need a couple billion dollars in treasuries. It was I've a got sledgehammer that. to the head saying, it's December, it's Christmas. Give me 50 billion. Yes. You know, it's, this is, um, yeah, this is kind of major. And the funny thing, and you're right, it's, we don't know if it was Euroclear acting on the, as an intermediary before somebody else, if it was somebody transacting through Euroclear and demand. We don't know who are the counterpart. We don't know any of those things. We don't know why. We don't know any of those things. All we know is it's likely Euroclear. It's likely has to do with derivatives and collateral because it's U.S. Treasury. So therefore, it's likely Euro dollar, global reserve dollars because it's an international setting of the international, one of the international forms of currency, which is collateral. So we're making some what we think are reasonable assumptions about what must have taken place, even though. A whole lot of the picture is missing. Is it too much, Jeff, to then tie in China to this, that maybe they received the collateral call? Because China has been associated with Belgium. It's been surmised or rumored or nearly confirmed that holdings in Belgium of U.S. treasuries are actually Chinese U.S. treasuries being held in Belgium for whatever reason. I don't know why. Maybe you do know why they're being held there. But... Is there a connection with China, this collateral call? Do we know? Is it a guess? It is, it's taking our intuition one step further away from what we think is very reasonable and very easy to establish. Okay, we know collateral, treasuries, Belgium, Euroclear, Eurodollar, all that stuff mixes together. It's, it's another, another step forward into the unknown to think, well, China. But it's not an unreasonable one because, as you just pointed out in the chart that we already showed you, this has happened before. This happened before late in 2013 and early 2014, where we saw similar sized collateral calls where treasuries just showed up in Belgium that we could link to China. And remember, late 2013, early 2014, what was going on in the dollar world and environment at that time? It wasn't what Ben Bernanke said. It wasn't what the vast majority of the mainstream said. It was the growing noises and creaks and cracks of what became the third Eurodollar episode or Eurodollar number three, which, by the way, the Chinese and emerging markets, but really China in particular, had been the epicenter of that dollar episode. So it isn't all that unreasonable to suspect China's involved here. We've got dollar things, collateral derivatives, Euroclear, all of these things are adding up, even if we can't say for sure. We can't say that we've confirmed this. This is definitely what's going on. There's a lot of smoke here. Yeah, 2013, 2014, that's when we're experiencing the most famous tapering, the one that was associated with the so-called tantrum. We were expecting a boom, rate hikes. Rate hikes, Jeff, we're normalizing, we were recovering. And then, of course, we walked into a shocking dollar increase and then all sorts of trouble out of China. That's a great point too, Emil, right? Because as you say, the taper celebration mm. was the bond market, the treasury market saying, yes, things are getting better. Ben Bernanke, maybe you're right this time. And then all of a sudden it just died. It just stopped. It really stopped around September, October, November of 2013. So it only lasted a couple of months, but then it just stopped. 
Why? Why did the taper celebration end? And I think we're seeing, you know, what we're talking about here with tick data in Belgium and China and all the dollar problems, the dollar woes with those, that was one of the primary reasons why the taper celebration, the bond market stopped celebrating because it was like, yes, the U.S. economy looks like it's recovering and maybe parts of the global look, oh, wait a minute, China. That's kind of what happened. And so these treasuries that showed up by the hundreds of billions into Euroclear in late 2013, early 2014, those presaged what would eventually happen throughout 2014 and on into 2015 and 2016, which was not a globally celebrated recovery, was quite the opposite. It was devastation across not just the Chinese, but especially other emerging markets that were downstream of China. Brazil. Wow. Brazil suffered perhaps more than anyone, I think, in, the, in that third euro dollar crisis. All right. Now moving on to the rest of the tick report. And it's a mixed message, a mixed bag, some good, some bad. Jeff, you help us, uh, you know, sort through this mess. The overall tick headline managed a second straight big positive. That's good. Foreigners in the private sector were buying up U.S. dollar assets. Great. Foreign officials were selling U.S. treasuries. Not so great. So how do we balance these factors? Remember with private side buying or selling, it's really when they sell that gets our attention. If they're buying, that doesn't necessarily mean much because they're always buying anyway, especially given what we talked about about a week ago with the merchandise trade deficit in the U.S., therefore trade surplus with the rest of the world. There are merchandise dollars floating around the rest of the world. It's really the financial flows that are at issue here. And so if foreign private institutions and agencies and firms and businesses and banks are buying U.S. treasuries, that doesn't really tell us all that much because they had sold them on occasion, several occasions in the last half of last year. And that's really kind of what got our attention there. So the fact that they didn't sell in December, all right, they didn't sell in December, but that doesn't really change much. But as you were just saying, the official sector outside the United States, they were selling. It wasn't a huge amount. But it is, again, another month of consistent selling by the foreign official sector. And as we've said numerous times, it's not because they hate America. It's not because they hate Joe Biden. It's not because they fear inflation. It's not because they fear the dollar is going to zero or any of those kinds of things. When foreign officials are selling their U.S. Treasury, what that means is they're selling the reserve assets because they have a dollar shortage problem that they're trying to navigate and trying to get around trying to work their way around a euro dollar shortage problem. This has been the consistent correlation of behavior of reserve managers and foreign official institutions with their selling of treasuries going back to the earliest days of the euro dollar system in the 1960s and 1950s. So foreign officials selling treasuries is a very clear indication of a dollar shortage problem. U.S. banks. Now let's talk about U.S. banks they reported a huge decline in net liabilities to foreigners. That seems like a bad, bad result, Jeff. Yeah, that's a not good yeah. result. That's a definitely not good result. Now, yes. there's, go ahead. I was just say, you know, Emil, as you know, there's a lot of monthly noise with this particular data series. So you don't necessarily put too much stock in one month, though the level of decline was almost a record high or a record mm-hmm. low. Uh, more than 200 billion, which is a substantial decline in the series. And that type of one month decline is, you only see that in some of the worst of the worst cases, like we were just saying in Euro dollar number three, that's consistent with a couple months late in 2014, as well as 2015. So that's not a good sign either. So going back to what we were just talking about, Belgium, big drop of treasuries, US banks report a huge drop in liabilities to the outside world, which 
All these things together, along with officials selling their treasures, the reserve assets, dollar shortage, dollar shortage, dollar shortage, dollar shortage, maybe some escalation in it in December. And so U.S. liabilities are that they are borrowing from the rest of the world. The United States banks are borrowing from the rest of the world to make investments because they feel the global economic or financial situation is a positive one. But here we're seeing yeah. Remember how it works. We have a yep. Go ahead. Yeah, we have a global monetary system where U.S. banks are both lending and borrowing to offshore counterparts. And then the part that we never see, the part that you and I would love to see someday, is where offshore people are borrowing and lending to other offshore people. And so we're kind of using these flows back and forth. U.S. banks borrowing from foreigners as well as lending to foreigners to try to tell us something about what must be going on in the overall system, given that we don't know the foreign to foreign part of it because nobody tracks that anywhere. So we're we're trying to make reasonable determinations about what's going on in the overall global reserve currency system, this euro dollar system, based on these back and forth. And what we just talked about, U.S. bank liabilities, reported bank liabilities dropping by a whopping 200 billion, associated only with some of the worst months in these dollar shortage situations. It's another signal or another piece of evidence consistent with the idea that the dollar shortage was a big problem at the end of last year. You mentioned a few words here about some suspicions you have, you think maybe has something to do with European counterparties or maybe those in the Cayman Islands. Quote, Mr. Emil is never above suspicion where it comes to... I was just going to say, you know, we probably shouldn't mention that because, you know, we have to... I have you under personal investigation here. I've hired all sorts of accountant and lawyers to try to figure out what's going on in the Cayman Islands. And they keep telling me it has to it has to do with what you're doing at your palatial lair on the beach where, you know, there's supposed to be trillions of dollars there, but they seem to be missing. Maybe it's not a dollar shortage. Maybe it's a, you're hiding them somehow. My lawyers tell me that there's no extradition treaty between the Cayman Islands and the United States, but I have the worst lawyers. So I don't know if that's true, actually. So we won't go into this topic any further. The other item I wanted to raise to everyone's attention is interesting. Japan looks like it had a good December. Claims on Japan. So banks in the U.S. giving money to Japan, or in other words, Japan reaching out to the U.S. and saying, give us money. And the banks say, okay, you know, because the Japanese feel there's some investment opportunity. Usually we associate that with China. That's our shorthand assumption. So on the one hand, we're seeing Japanese borrowing more from the U.S., presumably to give it to China, which is great news. Yeah, traditionally what happens, the Tokyo redistribution part of the euro dollar system, Japanese banks have tons of yen reserves as well as JGBs, which they use as collateral to do derivative trades with American banks or those in the Cayman Islands or Europe in U.S. dollar terms in order to then lend because they have very good relationships, very direct relationships with counterparties in China. So we're skipping a few steps and we're making some assumptions here we think are reasonable. An increase in Japanese borrowing from U.S. banks kind of gives us a sense of maybe Japanese appetite to lend those out or relend those dollars into China, which the Chinese absolutely need them. They absolutely need dollars all the time. In fact, they need dollars oftentimes desperately. And if the Japanese aren't giving them the dollars that they need, that creates an enormous pressure and problem on the Chinese financial system and economy. The only thing I would add is that, yes, the Japanese have expanded a little bit 
in the last half of last year in terms of their borrowings from the U.S. banks. However, you know, maybe that's just a shifting around where there's less borrowing coming into the Cayman Islands, and that has that plays a role possibly into China or other emerging markets too. So it's really hard to say if it's good news for China or if that's just Japan maybe squaring some of its books and that the overall system in the Cayman Islands in Europe that they're having a little bit more of a dollar issue and that kind of counterbalances or more than offsets what's going on in Tokyo. By and large, what we're seeing is that overall U.S. banks are reporting fewer cross-border dollar activities with their foreign counterparties for various reasons and in various formats too. This isn't lending cash. These are all ledger entries, book entries, which include the exchange of, you know, especially short-term collateral issues like treasury bills and things like that as well. So currency, money in all its forms, flowing all throughout the world. And we're getting all of these signals that are pointing in the direction of the same thing, the same kinds of signals that we're getting from markets. Yield curve flattening, euro dollar futures, all these other things pointing to something negative. And then Tick comes along a couple months late, but says, yeah, there's a lot of funny business going on in December. Perfect. That's a great summary. Quote, in other words, the what of tick remains as unambiguous in December as it had been in the rest of 2021, while the who isn't unimportant and there are several clues, that tick data just isn't available to us, not as granular. That's it for me, Jeff. Anything, anything else that we didn't cover? No, just the, the overall message here, which is that, look, markets are sending signals policymakers are going to ignore those signals because they do something entirely different. And now we have data that comes up behind that sort of corroborates and confirms what the market signals have been all along. And as you pointed out earlier, or one of our recent episodes, we just keep repeating this pattern. The last time we did this just a couple of years ago, it went in exactly the same fashion. We're just doing the same thing over and over again because economics is not, a, is not an actual science. And central bankers are not actually central bankers. You can follow Jeff's work at the Alhambra Investments website and on Twitter at Jeff Snyder underscore AIP. Jeff, I'm not on any social media. I'm on one social media site, OnlyFans. Only fans.